And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the greatest club in the Bundesliga, the greatest club in Germany, the greatest club in Europe, and the greatest club in the world. But you know we're slightly biased. Uh, my name is Garrett Tomatz, uh here in Metro Detroit. I am covering this evening from Brian. Um, sitting here on this Thursday evening, just kind of smiling over the um, match that we witnessed earlier on today uh, between Eintracht Frankfurt and um, HDK, or as I've learned, the Finnish pronunciation of Huyaku Helsinki. Uh, we'll get into that very shortly, but beforehand, just wanted to kind of remind everybody of the different ways you can check out this podcast, um, both um social media and traditional spheres um social media you can find us on twitter at hef pod um our website at hefpod.com which has all of our prior episodes as well as um our statistic zone which uh covers not only on track frankfurt stats but also live scores and stats for the um bundesliga so um, a one-stop shop, basically, for um, all things Eintracht Frankfurt and the German Bundesliga. Um, and additionally, if you want to uh, reach out to us, uh, feedback, thoughts, anything interesting, details, you can reach out to us at email at heyeintrachtfrankfurt at gmail.com. As Brian mentioned, you know, depending on what it is, might be uh, something we'll read over the air on a future episode. Um, but with that, let's get into... Um, let's get into the main reason why I am, why we're here tonight, and that is match day three of UEFA Europa Conference League, um, which Eintracht Frankfurt took on Huyaku Helsinki at the Volkswagen, a, um, packed crowd, a energetic crowd, um, the Adler coming off of a tough 2-1 loss on match day two on Thursday, October 5th, the Pauk Sessimalinki in Greece on a stoppage time uh, goal and then made matters worse by a Kevin Trapp red card in the 96th minute, which meant he was unable today um, to be in goal. So Jens Peter Grau was uh, between the posts, his second consecutive start. Um, not the only thing that was rotated amongst this side um, for the lineup. So um, Tuta and Robin Koch in the back two in the back three. Um, Koch getting the armband for the second day in a row. Uh, Smolchish in for Pacho. Knopf over to the right um, in place of Buta. Um, Dina Mbembe in for Larson and Nkuku on the left of Philip Max, who's not in the Conference League roster. Um, your top three, up top three, were first Chaibi, Omar Mamush, and Mario Goza back for the first time since September 30th against Wolfsburg. Um, after a Huyaku chance, um, the 12th minute uh, saw Frank Eintracht Frankfurt awarded a penalty after a VAR review determined that a Huyaku defender had an arm sticked out, so handball awarded to the Adler, Dina and Bembe takes it and buries it 1-0 to Frankfurt, and from there, it got even better. Uh, Robin Koch capitalized on a Ferris Chaibi corner in the 27th minute to make it 2-0 to Diadler. Um, Omar Marmosh made it 3-0 in the 31st minute on a, after um, opportunities which forced blocks by two or two defenders. The third shot was an outside of the boot with his right leg. Just a great strike, um, great wherewithal to keep going on the play. Uh, Tuta made it 4-0 just before halftime in the 48th minute, off of another great delivery by Ferris Chaibi. Um, we got to see some substitutions in the second half, but that was after Ellis Geary made it 5-0 on a great feed from Dina Mbembe. Um, and Gankum, Hasabe, Aronson, Jakic, and Chandler all got to make appearances. Um, and in the 89th minute, uh, Timmy Chandler sets up Dina Mbembe for a second goal of the day. Um, 6-0, final score to the Adler. Um, some of the best football I've seen Frankfurt play in a long, long, long time. It was, I equated it, it I don't think it was, it was maybe the best Frankfurt match I've ever seen at my desk at work. And I've seen some good ones lately. Uh, but, I think this was a very, very um, 
positive performance. And it tells you that the result in Greece might have been um, the spark and the kick up the ass that we needed to realize we have to set things up tempo-wise. Um, you gotta step it in and put the, you know, sometimes put the pedal to, uh, to get the, the results that you want. So, a great result for Diadler. Um, the other match today in Group G saw um, Aberdeen host Palkfest and Oinke. Um Aberdeen jumped out to a 2-0 lead with goals in the 50th and the 58th minute. Um, Palk pulled one back in the 73rd. Um, and then shortly after that, there was some controversy um, as Aberdeen were not awarded a penalty, even though it looked like that VAR had missed a call there. Um, had that penalty been there, Aberdeen would have had a chance to make it 3-1. to one, But instead, um, Pauk equalized in the 84th minute and then were awarded a penalty uh, in a similar circumstance in the 95th minute. Um, and on the last kick of the game, uh, Pauk buried the penalty in the 96th minute. A come-from-behind 3-2 win in Scotland. Um, so while unfortunate, it does kind of set what is likely going to be the two teams to come out of Group G in the Europa Conference League. So after three matches, Palkrest and Aliki is tops in the group. Three games played, three wins, nine points. Um, in second place is Eintracht Frankfurt, two wins and a loss, the long loss being in Greece, uh, six points. And then Aberdeen is third with a point, and Huyaku Helsinki is fourth, also with a point, but with... Um, a much more negative goal difference after today. Uh, six of their ten goals allowed was in today's match. So the next match for Europa Conference League will be on Thursday, November 9th, as the Adler travels to Helsinki to take on Huyaku. Um, Aberdeen will be going to Greece to take on Pauk, and it'll be very interesting to see um, what Aberdeen's side comes to Greece because they know that um, to basically be alive in this group, they need to win out. Um, if Frankfurt, to me, keep playing like they did today, I don't see anybody in Group G beating us these final three games. Um, so we mentioned that November 9th is um, the return fixture against Hayaku Helsinki in Finland. Uh, November 30th is when Frankfurt and Pauk Vesnoiki face each other again, um, this time at the Waldstadion. And then on December 14th is the last match of Conference League group play. Frankfurt goes to Scotland to take on Aberdeen at the, uh, I believe it is the Pizzadori Stadium. If I mispronounced that, Derek Gray, I apologize. Please let me know how to actually pronounce that. Um, you know, that sets the tone. That was a great, so a great match day calls for a great celebration. Um, so for what am I drinking tonight? You know, I'm sticking to still being on the dry side. So, uh, for me right now, um, I, uh, a, one, our local staple in our soft drink industry here in Detroit is Fago. They, um, Chris, a shout out to Chris for giving us the heads up of that being the Fago Dream, Fago Dreaming, which is basically an orange creamsicle. Um, however, I did not swing by a store to pick that up, so I'm drinking another Fago staple, and that is Fago Root Beer. Um, really seems to hit the spot after a Frankfurt win. Um, so for that, I say cheers, Prost, Nostrovia. And all the forms and languages of toasts. Um, as we get into then a brief note then for uh, Sunday, which is um, return to Bundesliga play for Frankfurt as they take on Borussia Dortmund at the Ballstadion. Um, Dortmund come in in fourth place, tied with Bayern Munich at 20 points, um, six wins and two draws for. Uh, Dortmund, um, a point behind VfA Stuttgart, who are in second, and two points behind Bayer Leverkusen, who are in first. Dortmund come off a um, 
well well earned 1-0 win in Champions League play um, against Newcastle at the Cauldron in the northeast of England that is St. James Park. So that was Dortmund's first win in Champions League play. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what we're, what we're going to actually see from both sides uh, this weekend as far as squad rotation, team shapes, especially on Dortmund's end. Do they stick? Do they do a 4-2-3-1 like they've been rolling in league play, or do they kind of stick to the 4-3-3 that rendered them successful at Newcastle during the week? We shall see. As far as Frankfurt, I would likely expect to see Pacho in for every small chitch. Um, if Knopf plays, I would hope he's back more centrally um, or on the left and Aurelio Buta back in on the right. Um, Dina Mbembe's performance today, I think, strikes a dilemma, and that is do you roll him out of the starting lineup again next to Scary? Do you maybe put him out wide um, on the right-hand side in place of Aurelio Buta? Um, or put him in the starting lineup and put Larson in the second half. Um, the left side too, I think, will be interesting. Do they roll? Do we roll with Nkuku again, or does Philip Max um, pop in on the left or Ansgar Kanaf? So there's plenty of these are good dilemmas. I feel like for um, D Adler. So we'll just see how it goes. Um, for those wondering, kickoff as Brian mentioned earlier in the week, is an hour later this weekend uh, due to the uh, clock spin, uh, clock change that's taking place in Europe a weekend ahead of us. So 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday as opposed to 9.30 a.m. Eastern. I am taking this, enjoying this completely. Uh, 9.30 a.m. Central, 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time, 7.30 a.m. Pacific. And um, that match will be on ESPN+. Plus. Um, as far as um, watch parties that um, I know of, as far as the Detroit area stuff, I will be determining, we'll figure it out if it's going to, we have a couple places that I could potentially, we could potentially go to. So uh, look for details on that. Um, but as far as scoreline predictions go, um, Brian has this match being a 1-1 draw on Sunday. I can definitely see that. I feel like this has draw written all over it. A draw is a good result. Um, the last time a draw or a victory in Frankfurt's favor has taken place in these fixtures against uh, Dortmund was April 2021. Uh, Stefan Ilsanker winner in Dortmund. 2-1 uh, away win that day. Um, but it's been two and a half years since then, so hopefully the time is right to get a good result. So hopefully that takes place on Sunday. Um, but we'll see. Again, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Central for that. Um, Don't worry, Garrett. I have you covered from here. So, yes, Brian and Casey here jumping in to thank Garrett for kind of carrying the ship. I had an extra little special bit to add to the podcast, but it took time, and here we are. My conversation with none other than the leader of the Kansas City Dortmund group, Andrew Sherman. Hey, I'm Greg Frankfurt, as a guest once again, to talk about Eintracht versus Borussia Dortmund. Seems we always got a Rolodex of uh, folks coming in. And chiming in on how good Bayfo Bay is going to kick our asses. Well, you know what? This time I'm uh, I'm taking on somebody who was taking pictures of himself with the Meister Shala just to throw him under the bus. It's Andrew Sherman. He heads up the Kansas City uh, Bayfo Bay fan club. Andrew, how good did that Meister Shala look? Are you gonna Are you gonna be lifting it this year, unlike last? Uh, thank you for having me on. First of all, uh, second of all, to answer that question, um, I believe that we will, and I will have to say, oh, this is much better, much better location. Um, I will have to say that um, it was pretty amazing. 
to be part of to see the trophy and to I want I really wanted to lift it up even though it wasn't my trophy and also a bunch of people would have tackled me um, but it was amazing to be a part of it and like I said even though last year uh, you know 90 minutes wasn't uh, in our favor uh, hopefully uh, it will be much easier this year than last year. Yeah, let's. Uh, it's hard to talk about Bruce Dortmund without mentioning last year. Quite the uh, emotional trauma that can sometimes resonate into the next season. Because hey, when some when you are just emotionally gassed, you can it can recovery time can be real real kick in the dick. Um, I this is this is a Borussia Dortmund team that I thought that was not going to be whilst would be in the running for uh, Demeister Schala. I was actually thinking that Borussia Dortmund would just be a team that makes up the top four. So far, you guys are doing it. What has allowed Borussia Dortmund to recover from the disappointment to the fact that you guys are still one of the few unbeaten, uh, the one of the two unbeaten teams left in the Bundesliga? Yeah, so I definitely thought that um, of course, as being, you know, have to do the whole moniker, fan club president, yada, 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 we're always going to win. You know, I've, every year I believe that we are going to win the trophy. And to be a fan club president, you have to have, uh, have that uh, mindset because it can be pretty daunting. Um, because definitely, <laughs> um, I do remember you being there on the last match day of the season at Casey Birko. Shout them out. That's where we have all the Bundesliga <laughs> yeah, games at. Alone in the corner with the laptop being the only person who cared about Eintracht versus Freiburg and also with an eye to Wolfsburg and Hertha in the hopes that Eintracht somehow, someone would get top seven, seventh place. We pipped it and everyone yelled, looked at me as I was yelling and screaming because uh, the the, the the matches for Bayern and Dortmund were still up in the air, and I'm all alone, yelling and screaming, looking like a crazy lunatic. Mm-hmm. I do <laughs> remember that, and I think you remember me kind of slamming one of the benches um, when the final whistle happened. Yep. Uh, very emotional um, time. I mean, I've heard stories from other uh, Dortmund fans about their time and afterwards, but we're not going to get into that. Back to your question. What, I I mean, I do agree at a certain extent after Bellium left, uh, the whole Edson Alvarez situation happened. And um, there's a couple of other items that are fleeting uh fleeting my mind um i really thought huh you're thinking of yeah that was that was an interesting choice as well um with uh you know going after him instead of edson alvarez however he's getting better um we've seen that in a couple of matches recently but going into the season, of course, got to have the high hopes. But I was see, I was thinking, okay, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna have some issues um, coming into the season. Completely deflated. But then preseason happened. I believe we won all but one match, and that was a draw against Chelsea in Chicago. And then all the other little preseason matches that were happening, flying high, and we're and I was thinking, okay, we're getting into um, March form that we did that ten game winning streak to start the first part of the of the year, the second uh, the second half of the season, and then we come in and we just look like complete dogs in the first game we won our game don't get me wrong that's i mean it's always good to win our our first game 
but we looked like complete dogs. And then we looked like complete dogs again and again. And even, even to the point where we might have been thinking what you were thinking at the start of the season. Okay, we might just be placing top four. We gave Eidenheim their first ever point in the Bundesliga. At one point, I thought it was going to be points, um, but <laughs> um, but the first point, and then we started. To, I started to see more um, more things happen in the good. I know Marcel Sabitzer had his little injury, which actually I thought, at, as of right now, um, looking to be like the. Maybe the second best signing of the season, even though a lot of people think he's the best. Um, Vince Baimi uh, signing, I believe it was a free agency contract from Gladbach. Um, I thought that was a really, uh, I think that one's the best uh, so far, simply because of how he has uh, kind of uh, solidified that left back position being more defensive than offensive, especially since our, for some odd reason, our center back pairings, no matter who you put back there, are slow. And somehow he's able to bring in uh, Adeyemi's speeds, uh, Makoku's speeds to get back and backtrack and do really well. And a couple of these games, they've been solid. They haven't been really knockout knockout matches. I know um, I know the Union Berlin game, that was 4-2. We had uh, Offenheim, two, I think it was a week uh, after the uh, week before, we won 3-1 going down 10 men. Um, but then we've had some really good looking games on I, I would say on the field, not necessarily on the score um, on the score sheet. I mean, if you look at the Bremen match and look at this recent UCL match against uh, Newcastle, uh, both one nil wins for Dortmund. However, a lot of people were saying that they could have seen two zero three zero three one. You know. High scoring for Dortmund, it was just it, the the ball was on going on the other side of the post, and especially that Newcastle match um, with Nemecha coming in, getting that goal, and there was supposedly going to be a second goal when they blew the whistle for half. Um, definitely has been showing that there is a team that is willing. Uh, to put in this big effort, this big hole that was made from last season. And so there is excitement coming back a little bit, a little bit of timid, uh, a little timid hearts just because, just because of last season. But what I've seen recently, it's been looking better. So. One of the interesting uh, teams that you guys have been kind of facing. So you've had, uh, you're, you're in a pretty tricky Champions League group with uh, the, one of the richest clubs in the world in Newcastle United. Uh, you got Paris Saint-Germain, another one of those richy rich clubs. Then you got AC Milan, who, I mean, on their day could make something happen, but they're the, 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 the day, the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s Milan teams, this is not. Uh, so you guys are kind of, you know, you're rocking and rolling in the well, well, let me rephrase it. Uh, got four four points from your first three matches in the Champions League. Have just earned an away uh, an away win uh, against Newcastle, and mm. in each of your subsequent Bundesliga matches, so you faced off against Wolfsburg after uh, the loss to I think the, the the loss to Paris. Is that correct? And then yes, it was Wolfsburg. In, Mm-hmm. And then it was, and the, the Wolfsburg's a Wolfsburg's a tricky customer for anybody. Um, the way that Nico Kovac lays out his teams, uh, but mm-hmm. Borussia Dortmund against Union Berlin is more interesting to me because you you came away from your draw with Milan. I still think that you guys should have taken something out, out of that, but you know what? 
stillies, uh, the doors wide open for all sorts of manner of things. You guys came out against Union Berlin. Union had a early, you know, they had a, you know, they were looking at really good early on. But you know what? I mean, some people would lay it down to Union being just for whatever reason, just not right in the head. But you guys were able to come away with a four to two victory via three second half goals, Slotebeck, Brunt, and Ryerson. Can you tell me a little bit about what Borussia showed in their responses? in the response to that Champions League match, was that uh, a kind of club spirit, tactical uh, work by Tishic? Or was that, hey, you know what? This was there. It's just we needed our opposition to just cave. I, I'm going to go with the uh, prototypical answer of both. Um, the, reason <laughs> I, the, the reason why I say this and you have to give kind of clarity to what's going on at Union, is that they're on a, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, an eight or a nine game losing streak. Um, it could be less than it's that. Wor- it's uh, worse if you add in the, the Champions League matches. It's actually even worse. Yeah, yeah so during, so going into after the AC Milan match, um, Still a good match, even though we're still playing this weird type. And we're, we're both from Can- the Kansas City area. We've been watching it for years. Kind of this weird Peter Vermees-esque, not 4-3-3 <laughs> formation, but these weird re- heavily rely on the wingback play and crossing the ball in and see what happens. That's what we've been used to, and that's what kind of, and that's what um, kind of started out with this year. We're heavily relying on the wing, and this is just me and, and my opinion. Why are we going to the wing? I mean, the goal's not there. The goal's in the center. We we go to the goal anyway. So knowing that we could be playing against top dogs, we were just. I would believe that Terzic probably maybe had a little bit of tactical acumen in it, um, heavily relying that somehow Union was still, you know, still trying to battle, trying to figure out all their problems. And then just, I mean, luck. I mean, if you look at, if you look at all the matches for this year for Dortmund, I, I, I understand that we were down at half, two to one, and then we got the four goals. I mean, the three goals in the second half. But this is one of the highest scoring matches that we've had all year. The second one was I brought up earlier, the Offenheim match. But all the other matches were 2-1, 1-0, uh, you know, 2-0 matches where we're kind of grinding out um grinding out those wins, which, of course, that's going to happen if you want to, you know, hold up the, the champion, the champion bowl, as it is nicknamed in English, uh, the Meisterschale. Um, but, I mean, it was great to have that win, especially being down to a team that, I mean, brought, brought the game to us. Um, but it was a really good win for us um, moving forward. As you can see from, I know it was the game, and of course I have all my stuff in front of me. Uh, even though we were already winning earlier, yes, I was hoping that we'd get that win in Mil- against Milan at home. That would have been awesome. Um, but getting that bigger win against Union Berlin and then going in, uh, then facing Bremen again, the next couple of weeks to get, you know, a grindy win. And then we had another grindy win the next. Um, I believe that everybody is finally getting their act together. That's the, that's the big thing. From what I'm saying out of all this, oh, grindy wins, Peter Vermeer-esque ball, all that stuff. 
from what I'm seeing is that everybody's understanding their positions better. I know that we had a little bit of card trouble. I know that we've had a little bit of injury trouble. However, <clears throat> we're finally getting all the pieces together. There was one point where uh, Suli Ozchan, uh, defensive mid, was playing a, uh, was playing for Emery Chan, the captain, recently uh, uh, recently appointed captaincy to the team. Uh, the captain wasn't doing so hot. Uh, a lot of criticism, and I agree with the criticism. Terzic took him, took him out, put in Ozchan, and now Emery Chan, uh, even though he got a little knock this weekend, has been looking a little better. Maybe use that as a little bit of motivation. Hey, you're the captain. I don't want, you're the captain. You can't, you can have maybe one out of every five matches where you're off, but you're you're leading the team. You have to be the point man now to have every match almost man of the match esque at your position, especially at his position when he originally was last year a true defensive mid while we had Bellingham as the box to box. But now he has to kind of carry a bit of both um kind of carry that box-to-box -box midfielder, even though Nemecha is supposed to be the quote-unquote Bellingham uh, replacement, which he uh, he's not, but that's a whole different other story with that. But we're finally settling in. We're finally getting into a groove. We're winning uh, matches. I think we're only 16 or 17 matches unbeaten. Um I think in at home, I know this game is going to be um, this next game, if I remember correctly, is going to be at home as uh, as well. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, no, my apologies. It's going to be away. So it will be very interesting how we do away. Because if you look at all those all the big matches at home, we've kind of felt a little comfortable because we're in front of our home crowd. How are you going to react with the away, set, away setting? Yeah, I'm looking at your your team with, uh, you kind of mentioned Emery Chan right there, uh, who, you know, holds in the armband. Julian Brandt is, uh, Julian Ryerson are two others who are doubtful. What's the latest on them? Because I know that they... Uh, they had some part to play in the Champions League uh, win over Newcastle, but are they going to be ready to uh, ready for the task of playing the Eintracht uh, come Sunday? From my knowledge, from seeing what's been said on Twitter, um, they are looking to be part of the starting eleven. If not, still part of the uh, eighteen. From my from my understanding, I haven't checked much today into it. Um, but from my understanding, all three players are going. I'm not going to say going to be fit, but definitely are looking to be part of that uh, squad when we go to Frankfurt on Sunday. Yeah, Eintracht when they do take on the Borussia Dortmund when. When it comes to those head-to-head -head matches, historically speaking, Eintracht has been that kind of bogey team that Dortmund has faced. Um, uh, the last two years, you guys have uh, you guys have kind of taken the better of us, uh, winning each of the last four matches. But there's no time like the present to, <laughs> from an Eintracht perspective, to rectify that sort of thing because this whole uh, last six matches uh, list, if you look at it, a 16 goals scored by the Bayfall Bay to eight of Eintracht. Uh, that's kind of inflated because last March when you just rolled through us like as though we were just kind of lying there, just waiting just just waiting to just get beaten up like that kid who just cringes in the corner whilst the big kid just has a free reign to just kick him. Uh, never a fan of that um the one thing that i've as you mentioned is the dortmund you know you 
you guys, when you guys do come through as victors, you are, and even in your long loss, like it wasn't that crushing. What has been the key to Dortmund's uh, defense being uh, kind of more of a strength this year than in years past? Well, I brought up the gentleman beforehand, uh, and that has to be Vince Baghini. Um Again, I know, I know and we'll, I'll talk about Koble in a second. I know a lot of people are like, what? Koble should be, you know, but I truly believe it's Vince Baghini. When he's in, he, defensive mindset. I think that's what's been going on the past couple of years with these matches and just keeping it with the Frankfurt matches. Um, and I'm just going to go uh, chronological order from last season's match. 4-0, 2-1, 3-2, 5-2, and the 1-1. And I know we're talking about Frankfurt, but if you look at other matches against other teams, we've let the same or a little bit more. I truly believe that it's because of uh, Vince Vaini. Um, and the reason why is he tracks back, and he tracks back well. Uh, I kind of wish there was a little bit more, well, a little bit less tracking back for him, um, essentially just because of the counters that teams like to play on us. Um, because like I brought up earlier, the slow, defen- uh, the slow defensive pairing in the middle. Um, but I was hoping that we could, um, I was hoping that we would get a little bit better on speed that didn't happen, but he brings the speed on when um, on when counters do happen. He's kind of, in a sense, to me as a sweeper, uh, than just your typical left back. Or if sometimes they want to play him as a right back, as a right back role, and try to um, try to play a sweeper. He's also good at passing as well. <clears throat> But that, but that's you know passing is a defensive trait. That's an offensive trait. Uh, to me, if you just kick the ball out out of danger, that's the good defensive quality for me. But again, that's a <laughs> that's a different story. The other person is of course Gregor Kobel. I believe he was BVB's man of the year last year. Um, if it's if I'm wrong on that. You can, you know, you can send me a, a DM or whatever on Twitter, uh, on our Twitter page. But he has been such a brick, a brick wall at that back line. He has, I don't know what it is. Um, maybe he's just done those credible saves and hasn't done anything um like Roman Berkey used to do. Uh, I remember uh, <laughs> now it's coming back to me that Roman, Ber- uh, Roman Berkey would like to creep a little forward while, um, the fi- while the opposing team had the ball, even though they were far out, he would creep up a little bit. Uh, what's coming to my mind, just real quick, is the uh, ghost game to end the 20... 20- I think it was the 2019-2020 season ghost game against Bayern Munich in Dortmund. The one goal that um, sealed the match was the, I think it was Goretzka or Kimmich did the chip over Berkey. Um, and that's what, I, and that's it. It was the, him playing, he was creeping forward and he's, he did that so many times. Kobel, on the other hand, to my knowledge, from what I can see while watching the TV and trying to talk to everybody else about the match, um, he doesn't do that a lot like Berkey did. But his where his indecisiveness is is when whether to, as I like to say, call for the ball or not. Because there have been times where it was a pretty, pretty hairy situation where it was close to goal and he would not call for it. And of course, it's a, it was a, always a, um, 
it's always a coin flip on what's going to happen with it. And there's been multiple occasion, multiple occasions where that was really uh, tricky. But like Cobol, besides the the negative weakness, Cobol has done something spectacular that I haven't seen since uh, Roman uh, Weinfeller, um, where he's just be, he's able to command that back line and actually show that um, like hey we need to get this together. Of course. You could talk about last year's fumbling of, you know, the Bayern Munich game. Um, but I think that was more nerves than anything else, because I believe that was Koble's first year with Dortmund. I know he was there for, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, which team he came from. I know he's been Stuttgart. in the Allianz. Stuttgart, thank you. I know he's been in the Allianz before, but probably in an atmosphere different than, um, you know, different than years past because of the intensity. And I, I know people, um, Bundesliga diehards might not consider um, BBB versus um, Bayern Munich a rivalry in the classical sense, simply because BBB mm -hmm. has been on the rise since uh, I would say 2009 when Klopp officially got there or 2008 when Klopp got there. Because, um, yeah, um, to my point, it's because it's becoming a rivalry because it's really the top two clubs vying for spots, even though it's been 11 years running or 10 years running since um, Munich has been winning the Bundesliga. But I mean, there's been no other title contenders for it except for the past couple of years where RB Leipzig and um, I mean, Union Berlin at one point, Freiburg for last year at one point. Uh, but getting back to what I'm, uh, my actual point is that Hobel hasn't been in that atmosphere like that before, um, uh, before he started at Dortmund. But now that he's gotten the grasp at it, he's gotten the taste of a big a title um, title situation at Dortmund, in Munich, at the Allianz. Uh, it's I think after he had that, he had a spectacular into the season, uh, and actually going into the season, he looks like even more. Um, composed as ever. So, gotcha. All right. Well, that all being said, Andrew, it's time to put, you know, lay it all on the line. You, time for your prediction and why that prediction will occur. So, what are your thoughts on so, Sunday's match? Eintracht versus Borussia Dortmund at the Ballard Stadium. Yeah, that Deutsche Bank Park silly name that they got for it. What is the result going to be? You know, I've been hearing about Frankfurt having a defensive uh, defensive masterclass. If I'm if I'm correct on that, um, they haven't been really putting in a lot of goals in the back of their nets. Um, so I know a lot of people keep on saying that this the Frankfurt match is always the high scoring match of the year, yada, yada, yada. I mean, last year you had the 4-0. A couple of years back you had a 5-2. You had a 3-2, all that stuff. Yes, it went to Dortmund. Um, it will depend if Frankfurt will play their game or if Frankfurt has been watching other matches against Dortmund where you play in the low block because we like to control, we like to possess the ball inside the opposition's half. Um, I believe, and I, I have to be truthful on this, I truly believe that it could be 2-1 Dortmund. I could truly believe that it could be 2-1 Frankfurt, but I'm, of course, taking the <laughs> Dortmund side of it um, because the other, the other things, like I said, even though we have 
Gregor Kobel and uh, Rami Bensabaimi, or Rami Bensabaimi, that doesn't necessarily mean that they that Kobel and him are the only two players out on the field. There's nine other players out on the field, and they got to play their game as well. I truly believe that Dortmund need to switch it up, um, stop playing um, wing ball all the time, uh, stop playing the Peter Vermees-esque play to the t- play to the touchline <laughs> on the wing and then knock it on in. Um, I believe that, and this with this goes with why Fulkrug and uh, Hilaire have been. I don't want to say bad, but subpar this season is that Dortmund, when they were kicking tail last year, was that they were playing through the middle. And if Dortmund can play through the middle and then use the wingers into the attack, I think it will be a very difficult day for Frankfurt. But that's why I'm working in an office in the United States and not working at the uh, not working with Eden Terzic and Dortmund uh, is that I can say all I can I can say anything I want to say about it, but that doesn't mean that Terzic is going to do what I'm going to do unless I play you know football manager and then that's a whole different that's a whole different story. So I I truly <laughs> believe that it's uh, I truly believe that this the the score line will be two one Dortmund. Um, it's probably going to be Malin Brandt. Um, just trying to think of who else might be on the score sheet for us. Volkrug has been seeing uh, some of the um, uh, some of the goal action, but I wouldn't expect. I it's I there's no one person to really be worried about the attack uh, that I can think of to be like, um, okay, he's the goal scorer. Double double team him. It's that um, you have to really watch the wing play on how it all goes down because we do have some mm-hmm. uh, wing players. All right. Well, I've already put my neck on the line and saying that Eintracht and Borussia Dortmund will finish in a 1 1 draw. It will mean that uh, Bayfo Bay continues their unbeaten run to be unbeaten in nine, which, you know, uh, technically, Iron, excuse me, Iron and Bayer both are able to claim. So we'll see what happens with you know like the the other matches of the weekend. But I do think that uh, you guys are going to drop points. I think you're just going to move to just 21 points on the season. Who knows? Maybe Bayer just lays an egg and you're able to leapfrog them. That'd be That'd be really nice if Darmstadt threw us that bone. Uh, I mean, and I'll just say that real quick. Yes, that would be really nice. And sorry that I had to move into a different office, so it might be a little echoey. Um, no, you're good. You're good. But, but now I will say this much. Public, when it comes so to... it's going to sound a, a little different. But I was going to say that, yes, anytime a... A competitor that is at or at, um, is at or at top of the league, definitely we would like to see them falter, but we can't control that. We have to um, just play our own game and let it go from there, essentially. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, the one-one draw. I think it's going to be the end result. I think. Uh, I honestly think that both goals are actually going to be scored in the second half, meaning that our very loud stadium with the, the typically loud visitors, like the, the Dortmund folks usually are rather loud when it comes to uh, their visits to yeah, the Hall Stadium. I think it will be good. The Unity is a pretty loud bunch. I mean, I've been hearing, I've been seeing reports on Twitter uh, after the UCL match that the Unity Supporters Group um, probably were the loudest bunch in St. James's Park uh, that evening. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised by that. And, I mean, again, bringing up the Kansas City stuff, we got to make sure that the grass is nice for the next weekend, all right? The Chiefs play <laughs> in the Park. 
So, I mean, yeah, we want to we have a nice match where the grass is scuffed up, but we don't want it too much where uh, Chiefs players complain about the grass. We don't want any more Super Bowl stuff going on. We've already had that whole, uh, whole situation going on. Yeah, I'm not all too worried about that for the, the NFL to come in, uh, which will be going on whilst the Eintracht is playing away to Union Berlin. And, uh, of course, we've got the away match. We're both playing in the Pokal. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who you guys got in that. But, hey, this is the Bundesliga. This is where the bread and butter is. And, uh, yeah, Andrew, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Where can folks find you in the social media landscape of the world? So we are on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Bruinstad, uh BBB or Bruinstad, BBB KC. Um, just give us a like and follow um, on the Twitter. Um, Facebook is more of our uh, membership um, membership page, uh, so that um, you know we don't want any of the crazy riffraff from Bayern or <laughs> uh, Schalke coming and comment on our uh, on our page. Um, no, I I I laugh. We we people here uh, that are Munich fans are great, um, but uh, yeah, those are our two main platforms. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, of course, uh, Twitter uh, or Facebook Messenger, and yeah, that's pretty much it. We don't do any t- any other uh, stuff with um, with social media. There you go. And uh, if there are any Dortmund fans who are listening and who want to get involved with that sort of uh, disaster, yeah, all of them there. Thanks, Andrew, for coming on the show. Many thanks to Andrew Schirmer for joining the podcast. And this is where we leave you. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt listeners, follow us on all of our media platforms. Here we go to beat Dortmund and uh, move further and further up the table as uh, we are in the Europa Pokal, the Europa Conference League, in addition to the Bundesliga. And uh, we'll be back with a new episode covering what happened in the most every in the most recent adventures of Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga, in the Pokal, in the Europa Pokal, and so much more. Until next time, tschüss. Hey, Frankfurt, la 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 la. Hey, Frankfurt, la